0: I've helped some young couples before. They plan to have an outside wedding. And you know, every, every day they look at the forecast before it, and here comes the day of the wedding, the clouds are starting to form, and man, I want you to know they didn't have this planned, and right at the last minute we're, we're scrambling to get out of the rain because that's just not what I had in my plan. I think about that sometimes when you go to a graveside service. You know, you always pray that, that when you take your loved one and you're going out to the cemetery the last time that you have good weather. Well, I tell you, I have stood out there and done graveside services and it'd be a, a, a storm taking place. I, that's just, you know, that's, that's just not what you had planned. And uh, no different this weekend or this last week. And Susie left on a Monday. We went down to Seabrook celebrating our 44th wedding anniversary, and Monday went great. And then Tuesday, Susie decided to get a stomach virus. And then on Wednesday, she decided to give it to me. So we got there, and we had a good time on Monday, just got up Thursday morning, packed up, and came back home. Believe me, that's not what we had planned. But I want you to understand that sometimes things happen in life that we don't have planned, and the examples I just give are inconveniences. You know that wedding that got rained out? You know what? Before the day was over, they got married. And guess what? They're still married today. When we sit sitting and we talking about the, the funeral service, we still got closure uh, for our loved one that day. I mean, it still went on. Me and Susie, though we didn't have just a great week, we're still married. We're still happy we still had an anniversary. But we need to understand there are some things that in that happen in life that we did not plan that are life changing. Amen. That are life changing. Now, when I speak about some events like this, uh, I want to talk this morning about these life changing things that take place in our life that we did not have planned and as Christians how we respond to those things. Okay, that's my focus this morning. When I talk about that I'm talking about when we experience a sudden death in our families. And it, I'm talking about everything's good today and then the next day somebody and our family has a heart attack, whether they're in their 40s, their 50s, and I want you to know a sudden death experience, something you didn't have on the calendar, something that you didn't plan for, and is life changing. That's what I'm talking about. These things that are not been planned. The death of a spouse is life changing, the death of a child is life-changing. The death of a grandchild is life-changing. The loss of a job can be life-changing. To get a diagnosis from the doctor that you have a disease or that you have cancer. And you know how some of these things are. They take full control of your life. You have to change your whole calendar for the next six months. I've got chemo, I've got treatments, I've got radiation. Everything goes on hold. You know why? Because this thing that takes place in life that I hadn't planned on is life changing. Do we realize that today you could be going home And there could be a life-changing event take place before you even get home from church today. And it doesn't matter whether you're 17 years old or you're 80 years old. We're talking about in a split second things can take place that are life-changing. When things do not go as you plan. When things don't go as you plan. Look at these scriptures. When things don't go like he planned. I want to ask you, if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at a uh, uh, situation with the Apostle Paul. When he set, set his life on course, I want you to know a prison sentence was not in his plan at all. I want us to look this morning and see as Christians how we can respond in these things that we don't have planned. I want us to notice something. Now listen real close to these things. Regardless of whether this thing that takes place in our life, whether it is planned or it's unplanned and it's unexpected, and it's no fault of your own, there is a way to respond. Okay? But we need to also understand, and I'm going to use an illustration from the scriptures this morning, some of these unplanned events that take place in our life are our own fault. Okay? We can make decisions in our life This is not what we had planned for our life. But you can make a decision in your life that causes something to take place and it changes your whole life. That's not what you had planned, but because of a poor decision, that's what's in your life planned from now on. So, this is how we can respond. Now, now listen to these things. We're going to be talking about men who've been... I'll just tell you right quick. We're going to talk about Paul. Paul was in prison, it doesn't tell us for how long. He was in prison for about two and a half years before they ever sent him to prison for two more years. He was in prison for about five years in one stint, got out of prison, then they rearrested him and put him back in prison again. That wasn't ever in his plan. He didn't have those things on his calendar. Joseph, another man, was put in prison and a situation came up, he didn't have a plan. All right? We're going to look at Job this morning for just a second. Job had everything planned. He did not expect Satan to come up and get permission from God to affect his life like that. That wasn't in his plan at all. Another one we, that we might look at is David. I want you to know God sent a man or a prophet named Nathan to King David. And if you'll remember that situation... This was not something that just happened. I want you to know David made some poor decisions that set plans in his life, consequences in his life he had never planned for. Stephen just wanted to serve the Lord with all of his heart and soul and his mind. I want you to know it wasn't in his plan to go out there in the backyard and get stoned for preaching God's Word. It wasn't in his plan. But in every single one of these, this is why we can use these people as an example. In every single one of these, listen to this, God was still in control. Amen. Are you facing something today that you didn't have planned? A situation that you're, you're having struggles and making the, the right decision and what to do? Keep this in mind. God is still in control. Amen. We still serve a great God. Alright? Now I want you to know in many situations people in a situation like this that comes up, a lot of people like to blame God. We need to keep this in mind. God has an enemy. His name is Satan. He is the devil. And I want you to know, a lot of people give God the credit for what He is doing. Alright? We need to keep that in mind. We serve an awesome God. We serve serve a merciful God. We we serve a, a compassionate God. He is still in control. Even with everything that's going on in our society today, God is still in control. We sang a song. The trumpet's going to sound. We're going to go and step. We're going to be with the Lord. Okay? God is in control. Nothing is past Him. This is another thing when these things that we don't have planned happen, we still have the options on how to handle what just happened. And when I say that we have options, we can do one of two things. We can first of all, we can, we can, uh, we can have the choice to choose how we respond to the situation by rising up to the situation and trusting God. We can do that, or we can complain and feel sorry for ourselves. Listen, that's your decision. Even though this. This situation came upon us. We didn't have it planned. It's a, it's a bad situation. You still have the option how to respond to it. You can respond to it by uh, uh, lifting yourself up, searching for the positive that you're going to find out of this, or you can become the victim and let Satan have the victor over you and you can feel sorry for yourself and you can bellyache in the situation. You can do. You have the choice. That's, on, that's on, We have that choice. God's given us permission to choose. We can rise above it or surrender and give up. That's our choices. So I want to look at a few situations, the examples, I like to call them in the Scriptures, of how we should respond and how some people responded. Look with me in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse number 12 first. I want you to keep in mind that you, you would never know when you read the book of Philippians or Ephesians or Colossians the positive note that Paul has when he's writing this book. It's hard to know that Paul is in prison against his will while he's writing this letter. If you didn't know it, you would. there's no way you could do, figure it out from the scripture because he's so positive. When he's writing this. Look what it says in verse number 12. But I would you should understand brethren. That the things which happened unto me. Have fallen out rather. Unto the furtherance of the gospel. I'm going to read this out of the New International Version. And I think it will help us better understand. Especially right here. This is what he says. Now I want you to know brothers. That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's what he said. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. When they come arrested me and took me against my will and they put me in prison, I want you to know the gospel has been advanced because of this situation that I had never planned on. I I think if you were to look at Paul's calendar... Paul was one that was going from city to city to city to city. He's, he's promoting the gospel, he's established churches. And then if you looked at his five-year plan, I, he probably had all of Asia, Minor, Asia or Asia Minor or not. I, I think he might have had those on his calendar, but somehow he got interrupted when he went to the, the city of Ephesus and they arrested him and they put him in prison. I, but he says, "I want you to know something." As a result of what happened to me, it has really served to advance the gospel. Then he says in verse 13, As a result of what happened to me getting put in prison, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. In other words, while I'm being in prison, every time they send a new guard to me every day, you know what I get to do to him? I get to witness to him. He says it has become evident to the whole palace guard, everybody that comes to and watch me. It has come evident to them uh, that they can, they know about the, the gospel as a result of that. He says, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Verse fourteen, it says, because of my chains, because I'm in prison right now. Most of the brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courteously, uh, courageously and fearless. What what is Paul doing here? He has fallen on... There's there's something in his life that was unplanned. He's been put in prison. What has Paul done right here? He said, man, I want you to know, look how much good has come out of this situation that I have never even planned for. Man, when I was studying for this, I want you to know there was one lady's name that came to my mind. Well, I take that back. There's two. Bonnie Shirley. Y'all remember Bonnie Shirley? Served faithfully. I I forget the name of the church. the same church you came from. Old Old River. Served faithfully down in Old River. They moved to this area. Played the piano for us for years and years. Then... She had cancer, she overcame it, and then it came back again. I loved listening to her talk about the encounters that she would have when she was taking chemo. She said, Brother Wayne, I got to witness to another one as I sat taking chemo, because they couldn't understand my positive attitude toward what I was having to do there, coming in and taking chemo. She said, listen, I want you to know more people know about the Lord because of my chemo than would have known had I not received it. Let me tell you, that just blew me away. That just blew me away. And the fact that, that she would acknowledge that. I, I was talking to Gracie Hood not long ago. She gave me a similar experience when, when she was having to spend some time in the hospital and a young lady came in and she was able to witness to her, and after she witnessed to her, she came back again and was asking questions about the Lord. As a result of her unplanned hospital stay, somebody came to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Amen. Unplanned. Not, not what we had planned. But this is exactly what God is telling us. We have the opportunity to decide how we're going to look at these unplanned events. That take place in our life. It goes on to say in verse number 18 it says, But what does it matter? In other words, Paul is, the, the gospel is being preached as a result of him being in prison. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached. Now listen to this. He's in prison. And because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Mm. I, I have to tell you, uh, I, I don't think it's hard if you know what's going on in mine and Susie's life. This is probably a pretty evident message that I'm preaching, knowing that two Saturdays ago we lost a grandchild. I held this little seven-month-old baby in my hands. She was seven months old in the womb. Let me just say that. She was not seven months old after she was born. But I, I want you to know, it shook my little world. I'm not sure that I'm over it yet. But I, I, I do want you to know, I do want you to know, That I am fully assured of where this little baby that I held in my hands is at right now today. I rejoice in the fact that I serve a merciful and a compassionate God. Let me tell you, I had plans. Me and Susie both had plans for this grand new, brand new grandchild that was going to be coming into the world at the end of July. But God had other plans. And I want you to know we are to the point that we can now rejoice in the situation. Not for the situation. Paul didn't rejoice because he was in prison, but Paul could rejoice while he was in prison because he knew what God was doing as a result of it. They rejoiced. He goes on to say in verse 21, For me to live... Uh, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Another place, Paul says this. He says, for I am crucified with Christ. If we can understand in the time and the day that we are living in today, that if we would just simply surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. Now, and, and I'm not talking about just salvation. Let me tell, let me tell the men that that I have called on this morning. Three different men prayed. Three different men prayed for the salvation of the unbeliever that might be in this congregation today or listening by Facebook. It was prayed for three times that somebody might receive Christ as their personal Savior. That That is quite meaningful. But what I'm talking about here, Paul is a born-again believer. He's been a born-again believer for some time. And this is what Paul is saying. He said, listen, for me to live is Christ. That should be every born again believer's statement today. That we live every single day of our life for Christ. When people see us and they recognize us, they know that we're a believer because of the way we live our life. It shouldn't be surprising for someone to find out that we're a believer in Jesus Christ. There was a time in my life, I really surprised a guy one time. He said, you go to church and teach a Sunday school class? I would have never thought you even went to church. Whew. But I want you to know, I wasn't living for Christ way I should have. We're living in a day of darkness. Amen. We need to make our decision to live for Christ things that we haven't planned for. Here's another guy that that we come across that uh, he had not planned for this to take place in his life. As a matter of fact, this is found in Genesis, and, and I've got just the chapters up there in the book of Genesis because it goes through several places. In Genesis chapter 37, we find a man named Jacob Jacob had 12 sons. We know these 12 sons as the 12 tribes of Israel. One of these sons, his name is Joseph. When we read in chapter 37 in verse number 3, it says, Now Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his other children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Many of us remember this from uh, Sunday school. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers... They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it to his brothers and they hated him yet the more. Oh my goodness gracious. So here we have a young man named Joseph. I believe he's probably an older teenager, probably 16, 17 years old. His dad sends him out to check on his other brothers that are in the fields, keeping watch over the sheep and the flocks. And as he goes, he gets out there and he recognizes that his brothers hate him. As a matter of fact, the dream that it says that he had, he told it to his brothers. You know what the dream was? The dream was that one day his brothers, he would be the ruler over his brothers. He told them that. Hey guys, this is what God told me. One of these days, I'm going to rule over you. How do you think that made the brothers feel? That made them him even worse. He even had another dream. And he said, Mom and Dad, God told me I was going to rule over you too. You keep reading the Scriptures, you'll see that it says that. Uh, that didn't please Mom and Dad either. So I imagine you know, Joseph is like, who I know God's given me a plan. Let me look at the outline. Let me see. One of these days I'm going to be the king. I'm going to be the boss. I can't wait. That's exactly. That is exactly what he dreamed. That's God's plan for him. That's what Joseph had in mind. But we didn't know. He didn't see this part of it. And in verse number 23, it says that it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brothers that they stripped off Joseph's coat, his coat of many colors. They took him. They threw him in a pit. It was empty. It didn't have any water in it. And they sat down to eat. And they said, man, what?" they were contemplating whether to kill him or not. Now, I think most of us know the story. They took a goat. They killed that goat. They smeared the blood on the coat that he had. They tore it up into shreds. Took it back to daddy and said, Daddy, some wild beast must have tore your little boy up. But in the meantime, a group of... of uh, is it Edomites? Ishmaelites, that's it. A group of Ishmaelites come by and they said, well, hey, let's not kill him, let's make a little money on They sold him to the Ishmaelites. And I imagine, oh, Joseph is going, wait a minute, God. You didn't put this in the dream. The plan is that I'm going to be a ruler one day. What, what are you doing here, God? You messed up. That's not how God, that's not how Joseph responded. Joseph was taken by the Ishmaelites. He was taken in the city or or the country of Egypt. He was sold to a man named Potiphar who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh's army. He was sold to him. When he was sold to him, the Bible says that God was with him and everything he touched prospered. So what did Joseph do? Did Joseph curse God with his plan? No, he honored God with his life. We honor God. Okay, let's let's make this personal, okay? I think every single one of us in this room, except maybe some of you younger teenagers or something, I think every single one of us in this room can focus on a time and a place in your life when this... Yeah, I see your hands. When these unplanned events came in and have... Changed your life forever. So let me ask you. Hey, did you respond like Joseph has responded? God, I know this this was sure not in the plan that I thought you were saying for me, but I want you to know, God, even in this bad situation, even with the death of my spouse, even with the death of my child, even with the loss of my job, even with this this accident that just took place, even with the diagnosis that I just received from the doctor, God, I want you to know I'm going to serve you, I'm going to praise you with the best of my ability no matter what situation I find myself in. That's what Joseph said. I'm a slave, but God, I'm going to serve you. You're in control. You're great. You're mighty. You're merciful. You're compassionate. Okay, here I am. And guess what? God just started blessing him and good for Potiphar. Potiphar was being blessed as a result of having Joseph under him. The old devil didn't care anything for it. The old devil was in Potiphar's wife. The Bible tells us that Joseph was good looking. He was built. I mean, and she noticed it and she said, Hey, you know, I would like to be with him. So that's what she started doing. She kept inviting him to her her bedroom. She kept inviting him. He continued to refuse. He continued to prove. He says, man, I wouldn't... Potiphar, your husband has given me everything. I am not going to stray any at all. So she falsely accuses him of trying to rape her. He gets thrown in prison. Let Let me look at this plan, God, that you've got for me. I'm supposed to be the ruler one day over my, my brothers and my mom and dad. How is me going to prison going to do this? But you know what, Joseph, then? When we read in the Scriptures again about what Joseph was doing while he was in prison, did Joseph curse God and say, God, you don't know what you're doing. Come on. What's going on? No, Joseph got in prison. He says, well, let me see what I can do in prison. I'm going to serve the Lord with the best of my ability. The best that I can do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. And He did. While He's in prison, I'm I'm going to try to make this as as short as I can, but while He's in prison, He meets a couple of men. He interprets their dreams. Their interpretation came through. Some years later, maybe 10, 12 years later, uh, the Pharaoh has a dream and one of these men said, hey, while I was in prison, Pharaoh, you threw me in prison. While I was in there, I met this guy named Joseph, and he interpreted my dream. Maybe he can tell you what your dream is. And he does. Most of us realize that dream was seven years of famine, or, or seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. He, trained, he interpreted that dream. And when he got through, listen to what it says here. In Genesis 41 it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all of this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all the people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in a vesture of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. Guess what? The plan that God revealed for Joseph, it didn't show this prison. It didn't show his brothers throwing him into the pit. It didn't have that part, but everything God said was going to take place, took place, and Joseph served God through it all. Now I want you to know every single one of us have been given a promise. You know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. God has promised you everlasting life in a place called glory. That's God's plan for you. It doesn't say that before we go to glory that it's going to get better. It might be that we go from this old darkened, sin-bitten world straight into glory, but I'm telling you right now, God's promises will always be true. God's promises will never back down it will never give up so when we see this when we see the first example where we were talking about uh, I, I have to tell you I'm struggling again this morning The first example we talked about, Paul is in prison. Paul was faithful in prison. The second example that we talked about was Joseph. Joseph was in prison. He was faithful in prison. The third example that we're going to look at, and this is another one that every single one of us, I think, I don't want to take it for granted that everybody knows the story of Job. I mentioned Job to someone the other day, and they said, no, I don't know who you're talking about. So I shared with them. Not everybody was raised in church and Sunday school and know all of these Bible stories. But the book of Job, it starts off like this. In Job chapter 1 and verse 1 it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job and that man was perfect, he was upright, he was one that feared God, and he's one that hated evil. Woo-hoo! What more could you ask for? It'd be no different. I want you to know I'm a born again child of God. I've surrendered my life to serve Him. I'm going to do everything I can do to to honor Him. I'm going to to work in the church. I'm going to do everything. And I hate evil. I stay away from it. I shun it. You would think everything would be going my way. And then Satan came and pointed his finger at God and said, If you'll just take that barrier away from Job and let me get to him, he'll curse you. He said, no, not my servant Job. He won't. Scripture says that he had seven sons and three daughters. Listen to this. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in your power, only upon himself. Put not your hand. So Satan went before the, from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking and their eldest son's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and he said, The ox were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sambians fell upon them and took them away. They have slain the servants at the edge of the sword. Only I escaped. Well, let me just, let me sum this up. A group of men came in and stole all the cattle and all the sheep. Another group came in and, and, uh, uh, stole the houses and burnt the houses. Another group of Chaldeans came down in three bands. They stole all the camels and carried them away. They slayed the servants by the edge of the sword. And then, while he was speaking, he said, "Your your daughters and sons were at the house at the oldest son's. A great wind came, blew the house down, killed all your kids." I I want you to know, Job didn't see that coming. I just pray and hope that I have the faith that Job had when things don't go like you planned. What does it tell us that Job done? He fell on his face before God and he worshipped. he worshipped. You want to know why he worshipped? Because God is still in control? He serves a compassionate and merciful God. God, we serve a God that is awesome, that is mighty, that keeps His promises. And He was able to worship. You know what this world needs? This world needs a, a few more jobs Amen. I don't know how many times I've seen situations, circumstances come up. Somebody that you thought was a true born-again believer is sold out to serve the Lord and something bad happened to them and they point their finger at God and they curse God. They, they vowed never to come back to church. They vowed never serve Him again. This is your fault. And you see what God allowed, God didn't do anything, you see, but what God allowed and Job fell on his face and worshipped. You see, Job had a choice. He had options. He can let this situation defeat him or he can allow this situation and he could overcome it and continue to trust and serve the Lord. That's, that's where we are. That's where we are. Let me mention another one real quick. Another one that did not plan on this but it was brought on. And this one he brought on By himself, you know the story of David. David was a man after God's own heart, but he didn't receive that title until after David had made a very poor choice one afternoon. Some of us, or most of us, probably know the event in David's life. David became king over all of Israel. He had defeated most of his enemies. He had defeated so many enemies he thought it was safe to stay at home while the other armies were out fighting. He stayed at home. He looked over next door. He saw a beautiful woman. He had her come to his house. She was married and he had his way with her and she became pregnant. As a result, him trying to cover it up, he kills Bathsheba's husband. Again, a choice of his own. Almost a year later, God sends a prophet named Nathan to David. And he says, David, I know... I'm I'm summarizing. David, I know of the sin that you have committed. Listen, Listen to what he says here. He says, David, I gave you thy master's house... I gave you all of your wives into your bosom. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, he says, David, I would moreover have given unto thee such, and such. Hey, I would have given you anything you wanted. But he says, this is what you've decided to do. Thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed your Uriah the Hittite with your sword. Thou hast taken his wife and to be your wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from thy house because thou hast despised me and hast taken thy wife Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. He said, David, there's consequences for the decision you made. He says, these are not things that you had planned, but because of your actions, I want you to know there's going to be consequences that follow after this. David said in response to Nathan, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also has put away thy sin. thou shalt not die. In other words, hey, David recognized it. He said, God, forgive me of my sin. And guess what God done? God forgave him of his sins. But understand this. God did not say the consequences of what was going to happen to you will go away you know what made God say that David is a man after God's own heart you know what God why God said that because even in David's consequences David says I will serve the Lord God never David never took his eyes off of God again. He kept his eyes focused on God because David did recognize everything that he ever had everything that he ever wanted came from God. And even though God is now making David deal with the consequences and the fact that he was going to have trouble in his house from now on and that someone was going to sleep with all of his wives in public spaces, all of that was going to happen as the consequence, but David never turned his back on God again even though David was having to suffer the consequences. Where are we? Are there things that have gone on in our lives that we didn't have planned for? They, they have in mind. And, and sometimes I haven't responded the way I should. I I, I wish maybe I, I wish maybe 30 years ago I had heard somebody preach this message right here to me. You don't have, listen, you do not have to respond the way the world teaches us to respond. We do not have to. We've got a Bible right here that gives us examples of people who have come into the same situations and circumstances that we have come into and they have showed us how we can respond. This should be used as our light to draw us to respond how they have in this moment. The last example, and I know we're out of time, but the last example I was going to use comes out of the book of Acts chapter 7 verse 57. And it's talking about a man named Stephen. Stephen was a godly man. He served God with all of his heart. He didn't back down. It wasn't in his plan for the Sanhedrin, the religious people of the nation of Israel, to arrest him. It wasn't in their plan to take him in the backyard and stone him to death. But I want you to know as they were stoning Stephen. Stephen looking up to God he says, God lay not this sin against them. He had a choice. He could have cried out to them and called them all kinds of names, cussed them out. No. To the very end, Stephen served the Lord. The only way that he has the power and the ability to do that was because the Holy Spirit lived in him. And I want you to know the only way and the power that we have to overcome the things that we face in this world is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we receive the free gift of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. When we come to a point in our lives when we recognize that we're a sinner And the one that we have sinned against is Almighty God. And we recognize that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross and overcame death, hell, and the grave when He rose from the grave. If you believe that with your whole heart, and then as it speaks about in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will simply, with your heart, Open your mouth and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, forgive me of my sins and save me. Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and in any situation you can face today, you can turn to Him and serve Him in and through any situation that we face. Let's stand there. Fathers, we recognize this morning that there is no way we will get out of this world without having to face some of these things in life that we never planned to come into our life. God, there's so, so, so many Divorce, death, disease. There's just so many things that have come into life. But God, I'm so glad that You put in Your Word how we can respond to those things even if we haven't planned for them. God, my prayer is this morning that someone has planned on being saved today. As a result of this message. That's my prayer. So God I just pray right now. That you'll have your will and your way. With this invitation. Whether these people are at home. Or in this sanctuary right now. We pray your will be done. As we sing this hymn of invitation. It's in Jesus name I pray. Amen.